Hi, this is Billy Flynn. You're listening to Talkin' Blues. So I'm, I'm in Memphis with Billy Flynn, and, and Mary, his wife, is in the room as well, so she might interject sometime. Um, I've worked with you in the past when Billy Boyarno recorded uh, the album The Tribute to Sunny Boy, and uh, that's when I first met you, and I've seen you around many times, but I don't know a lot about you. Can, can you tell me a little bit about where you come from? I'm originally uh, from Wisconsin, and um, my introduction to the blues was at an early age of about uh, 14 years old. I, I had the pleasure of meeting um, a Chicago guitar player. His name was Jimmy Dawkins from the West Side. And um, Jimmy, I was already a fan of Jimmy's at that time, but um, that was my introduction to uh, wanting to really uh, play the blues and. I think that's the path that led me to um, to playing with Billy Boy Arnold too. That um, I got to be um, known among the musicians in Chicago as being dedicated to the art and uh, dependable, you know, musicians. So I uh, I worked, you know, with a lot of them, and I think that's that's what how that all happened. So if we go back, and at the age of 14, I know you were sitting outside a club and, and, and you met Jimmy Dawkins, but mm -hmm. before that, how much, how long had you been playing the guitar? And at that point, what mm -hmm. were you playing on the guitar? Well, you know, technically, I don't remember um, how old I was when I started playing, but I do remember rubber bands and um, like trying to make things with two nails on a board. My brother and myself, we were always interested in uh, in, in guitars, I mean, and, and it's hard probably for a lot of people to understand right now, but guitars were really hard to find for us. I mean, growing up in, uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I mean, it, it might have been just everywhere that um, the guitars were just harder to find. If you knew somebody that had a guitar, I mean, that was like a big thing, you know, it's like now I think they're more accessible to everybody, but um, I... Um, I, my parents, uh, you know, I, they sensed that I wanted a guitar, so I guess the way I could describe how young I was when I started was that I was too small for a guitar, <laughs> so they bought me a ukulele. And I actually taught myself the notes on, uh, you know, I asked a lot of people questions and that I, I knew uh, somebody that, you know, that, that, that played a guitar. I would ask them what the notes were or a music teacher or whatever. I figured out what the notes were on it, and uh, I became very interested in the guitar, and um, I um, really heard the sound, um, you know, like um, in, in, um, in a lot of television shows and, um, and things like that, and they were bent notes or um, blue notes, and uh, I was like, where does this come from? You know, I love the sound, and I had a little mix-up between jazz and blues because a lot of times the blues that you heard on TV was with a lot of horns mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I kind of thought that, you know, this conception of New Orleans being the home of the blues, too, that kind of threw me off. And I guess it still is blues, but it was not the, um, the, the core of, you know, of the sound that I was looking for. But um, it led me to the path um, where um, you know I would see BB King and Chuck Berry on TV, and I loved that. So I was really interested in, uh, especially those two guys. They were the, the guys that that really um, 
I learned from, you know, from their records. The Thrill Is Gone just came out. That was one of my favorite records. Um, and B.B. Uh, King had an album at that time that, that just came out. I think it was called Completely Well. And um, Chuck Berry, of course, was on The Tonight Show and things like that. And I became really interested in and. Uh, and eventually, um, I got the records, you know, and I, uh, I searched and I searched. I bought all the records that said Blue, <laughs> Blue Moon, you know. And I, I, I still have all these records that I bought. You know, they, all they needed to do is say Blue or Blues on and I was in search of, of blues, you know. And I, I eventually found it. And uh, when I started digging, you know, into, the, into the, uh, what I really liked, John Lee Hooker and uh, Elmore James, um, and then there was a label called Delmark Records, which is, uh, to me, is one of the, one of the just a, a wonderful label. They recorded jazz and blues, and uh, I, there was a, things coming out on that label. Jimmy Dawkins, his first album just recently came out, and we were aware of this album. Um, I had a, I had a friend of mine, and uh, he uh, he had the records, Jimmy Dawkins, and also Johnny Littlejohn, and we also right at that time Jimmy Rogers came out with one of his, actually, the first album that he ever did come out with, which was called uh, Chicago Bound. So how old would you have been at this point? I would say about 13, 14, okay. probably like 14 around what, this time. What do you think it was about the blues that connected with a 14-year-old kid from Green Bay? The drive, the sound of it, uh, the, uh, um, the, the, the beat. I mean, it just really had a good rhythm to it. I really liked that in... Uh, the, uh, the um, I guess the feel of it, the way it, way it felt, you know, like to me, like Elmore James, you know, like I had an album with his, it had uh, two albums in it, and almost every song, it would might drive somebody crazy. They say, well, that's the same song over and over. He's just singing different words, but I never thought that way. Right, because so I understood what they were doing, I guess. And you became a student of the blues, as as I presume you still are. Yeah, I I I, I guess I never thought of it that way, like, because I never, even though I would, you know, like when I started, I I would put on a record, you know, and play along with it and try to do what they're doing. I just try to get the music into my into my brain, you know, and uh, and process it through my, you know, how I do it, you know that. That's the only way I can do it because I'm not like a memorizing, not doing a lot of memorizing because with blues I think it's kind of hard because it's it's abstract. So tell me about that meeting with Jimmy Dawkins. Tell me what that initial meeting was like. Well, that was um, where I was sitting uh, with my guitar. You know, I took my guitar with me everywhere, and uh, it was a Gibson. And um, Jimmy came out and he saw me with a actually first Lester Dorsey came out who, which unfortunately was killed a, a few years later, he was a West Side uh, Chicago drummer. He came out and he said, what you doing out here? And I said, why don't you come in? I said, well, I'm not old enough to come in. <laughs> and he says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. I'm going to get you in here. And, uh, and then uh, and he came back with Jimmy. And I was like, wow, this is Jimmy Dawkins. You know, I'm sitting on the ground with my this shiny brand-new guitar, Gibson I had. And... Uh, and he and he looked at my guitar, you know, and he just like was kind of floored, you know. He says, "I want to get a Gibson." So we started talking about that. He was, at the time, playing the Fender Jaguar, and he wanted to get into uh, playing the the Gibson. So that that conversation was just we had a lot of things in common, you know. And uh, he said, "Well, I'm going to talk to the club owner." So he left. This all happened within five minutes, you know. 
And uh, he came back with a club owner, and he said, well, as long as you drink, you can come in. Don't drink. What's that? As long as you don't drink. As long as you don't drink, excuse me. <laughs> Thanks for that correction. <laughs> yeah, that, well, you know, I, and the funny thing was, like, e e even though, you know, like if I was with my friends, maybe that would have crossed my mind, but at that time I, I had no idea. And you know how, like, blues fans are now with cameras and recorders? Mm -hmm. I just wasn't like that because it was just, like, I mean, it was just so... You know, when it's that new, you're you're so young, you don't realize. I mean, I even though I didn't like record it or anything, I can remember everything that happened. That's a big and, moment. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was you know. So that that led to uh, well, in the band too is Big Voice Odom, and actually Big Voice Odom that day was asked me to come to Chicago with him and record because he was going to record it, and I I never did do that. I never. So, but did you play that day? Yes, I did play oh, okay. that day. I and did sit in. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get to that part. Okay, so yeah, you so, were good enough to actually sit in. Yeah, well, he saw me with the guitar and just figured, well, this kid's sitting out here with the guitar. And when I went in, and to, to be honest with you, I didn't really, I mean, I was. I think I was kind of like playing what my blues was. <laughs> right. But I was not a, um, a real, like, I guess I, they could understand that I, what I was trying to do. And they liked what I did. You know, and um, they were inv inviting to me. And, that's um, that's pretty impressive. Um, I I wonder, had you seen any live blues by this time? Yes, I I had seen I think BB King. B. This B. would have, and it would have been live or in yeah BB King oh, okay. live, and I had the pleasure of meeting meeting him also. I when I saw him play, um, he was not. I think everybody thought it was Ben E King. Right. Seriously, stand by me. And right. I, I didn't, I mean, I think there were people, yes, that, that did, but he wasn't the celebrity that he is now. He was known maybe as a blues artist, as a new coming blues artist, you know, with a hit song, The Thrill Is Gone. But after the show, everybody left. Well, no, but, the show, right? well, the show was in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which is my wife's hometown. And um, after the show, like, everybody left, and um, they were there. And they talked to us, you know, it seemed like for an hour, and we asked them every question we could think of. You know, and I'm like, this is B.B. King, you know, we got to be with him. You know, I mean, what a world. Yeah, for sure. And he, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a pleasure of meeting him a number of times, mm -hmm. and I've had other musicians talk about just the ability he had to make you feel so welcome. And it didn't matter who you were. If he was talking to you, you were like the only person in the room. Absolutely. And I, pres I presume that's the same feeling you had. When oh, yes. Oh, yes. He was just um, a thousand percent at any, at any second. Uh, we, were, we were all getting ready to leave, and my wife, she was pregnant with our second, uh, second child, and um, he had his coat on and his gloves on and everything, and then I think somebody else came in a room, and they, uh, or we wanted to get a picture taken with Mary, and he took his, he had to take his coat, his gloves off, and everything. I mean, he was just getting ready to leave, and I was like, "This guy just always will just put out everything, whatever there's in them, he will give to anybody." Yeah, wonderful person. Wonderful person. You know, a few years ago, he was here in Memphis for the Blues Music Awards, and he was backstage, and all these musicians, all these great blues musicians, were in awe to to meet him, and I had something that I wanted to give him. And I said to the to his handler, I said, "Would you give this to him?" Because I didn't want to bother him. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Oh no, you do it." <laughs> he said, "You go ahead and do it." <laughs> and you know, I just felt bad to 
interrupt him because I think it took him like 45 minutes to get out of the backstage area. But mm -hmm. that's what he did. I, he, I mean, he dedicated his life to music and he yeah. also dedicated his time to the fans, which is so yeah. impressive. And what did yeah. you learn from the experience of meeting Jimmy Dawkins and B.B. King? I think I think what the interesting path with this was that it wasn't about music. Interesting. The music was you just did the music. You didn't talk about it because you were you're expected to do that. That's what your life was. You threw yourself into it. You rehearsed, but they never you know, my experiences, I should say, this is my experience with them that it was more about that they they had some sort of a um a way of of showing you like you know about what's important you know in the, especially in the business you know like like what we were just talking about mm -hmm. so i wonder this 14 year old kid with a guitar got to play with jimmy dawkins at what point did you think this is what i want to do i never did that was always there really when well, i um when i used to have my ukulele i would uh you know, just, I don't know, it's hard to say, but I would take it out for each TV show I was working in the band. And that's, you just pictured you yourself, know, when, this is when what it, When it came on, I had to be out there to play along with them. Wow. So I, I just always remember that. That was like, I always did it. So a number of years later, you become part of the Chicago blues scene. How did that happen? Well, I think a big part of it is the location, you know, that, um, that, that I had. I was in Green Bay, and the manager of a lot of the bands was in Milwaukee, Tom Radai, and uh, he managed Otis Spann, um, Johnny Young, Jimmy Rogers, um, so many of the, the blues greats at the time, and um, the legendary blues band later after Muddy's band broke up with Pine Top. Um, but um, that was kind of my um, beginning was the, was the Clark Kent Superjoint, me sitting outside with a guitar um, that, that, that took me to Chicago. But once I heard the sound of a Chicago, live Chicago blues band, there was no turning back at that time. I mean, the way the band sounded was like, it was different because a lot of people were rock and roll players. The way they attacked their instruments mm -hmm. was different than the way they were... Uh, playing in Chicago, they have a certain beat and there's a certain um, contagious thing about the feel of the, of the blues. I think that that's something that I really enjoyed. I wanted to be in the band in Chicago, you know, in a Chicago blues band. But Dylan, you remember you and Jimmy? You also kept, you, you and Jimmy wrote a lot of letters back and forth. Oh, yeah. From the time of Clark Kent's. Oh, yes. And that led you to the South Side All-Star. Yeah. Well, the thing was is that my brother moved to Chicago, too. And I, I actually went to the, uh, um, to the clubs and could uh, meet a lot of the people. And I, I still surprise myself when I look through my old business cards because uh, the, well, the first person I played in Chicago was with a guy named Good Rockin' Charles. Mm -hmm. He was a harmonica player. I had him on my T-shirt yesterday. Um, but, um, and like Mary said, we, I stayed in touch and, you know, became, you know, like good friends with them, you know, and I, I think it was just like a natural flow, you know. But did good, you know a, what that meant to become a blues musician? 
Did I? Yeah. Like, did you have any idea what it would be to follow yeah. this? Yeah. From I how? did because when when I was at Clark Kent Superjoint, you know, um, during the day, the band stayed across the street, and we um, we talked, right. we hung out, and uh, Johnny. Well, the next week after Jimmy Dawkins was Johnny Littlejohn. He was there, and you know, for me, that was another person that I, you know, he just came out with his first record, on our Huli Records, and um, there he was, you know, playing slide, you know, like Elmore James, you know, that kind of changed things. And in his band, not even on the bill that night was Jimmy Rogers, so that after hanging out with Jimmy that week, the next week it was Jimmy Rogers and Johnny Littlejohn. And I mean the stories they were telling us, and uh, we we loved to smoke cigarettes. We were kids, so we would go there, and the, and they had uh, they they just had a certain style about cigarettes. They taught us, you know, how they they opened the pack on the bottom so that the cigarette dust didn't fall. I mean, so yeah, we understood what it, I think it would be like to be a blues musician. I and I think it was not necessarily all the time a so and so musician. I think it was just a musician for me. Mm-hmm. I, even though I love blues and that's where I, you know, pretty much where I, you know, where I am all the time, um, to me it was just about being a musician. And I think that's the thing that Jimmy Dawkins taught me too was like, Bill, your music, your music, you know, that it was about the music. It wasn't, you're a great blues player or anything like we had anything special. It was, a, it was like something about um, just the honor to be a musician. Interesting. Well, I, I I think a lot of people want to put musicians in cylinders and say this is they play this or they play that or why didn't they play this? But and I understand that and and I know that the argument is always blues musicians play way more than just blues. There's a lot of gospel and there's a lot of R and B and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you ever move down to Chicago or did you always commute? I was playing um, in a band called Mississippi Heat, and I spent a great deal of time in Chicago at that at that point. I never did live there. Okay. But technically, I'm I'm I think I'm there. I'm gonna just guess and say, you know, a third of the year. You know, um, just like by, you're by known record. as a Chicago blues musician. Pardon me. You're known as a Chicago blues musician. Yes. Yes. And, you know, yes, that's my, yeah, yeah. that's my home base, definitely, because we're we're very close to Chicago. Basically, we live in Milwaukee, which we we call just a suburb. Right. It's an hour and a half for me to drive there, and I used to stay in Downers Grove because my brother lived there. I I stayed with him for years, also. So technically, I wasn't a resident, but I was there quite a bit. And, Four years. Yeah, so was it was it easy to be accepted into the Chicago blues scene? I mean, I know you had these friends like Jimmy Dawkins, but I, I wonder as a young kid coming up and be trying to get into the blues scene, what that's like. I think I think so. I think it was they. I think they were very accepting and and, and encouraging. Well, like Mary said, you know, we lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and um, I pretty much pounded the pavement for years and years back back um, between um, being living in Green Bay and also being on the road and also playing in Chicago because uh, in order for me to play a gig, I would leave at noon and I would come home about 
if it was a one o'clock gig, this three hours later, about 4.30 in the morning, enough time I'd be, you know, sleep for a few hours and get up with my kids, send them off and then take a nap and then do the same thing over. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a crazy world. Yeah. Did you ever question what you do? Did you ever think about I think one I think that um there was one time I had a dream about that and um it was like I was on my bicycle and I was coming home from a gig and it was raining. <laughs> and you know, and I was like and it, it was such a heavy dream to me and I figured out later it was like I think it's just what you asked me. Did I was I questioning? And so I think it, I worked it out in that dream actually. Wow. Cuz it's not easy being a musician. Yeah. It's a tough life. Yeah. And you have to work very hard for it. I'd never be here without my wife. She's uh everything. Uh, and I can understand that. Um, yeah. She really helps me a lot. I don't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> you can edit that. I, I, I want to go back to the Southside Blues All-Stars. Because you should talk about that. Because when he asked you about getting into Chicago, mm -hmm. I think that that was, uh, you know, with the people that you were with. Yeah. But I also almost killed you the day before. <laughs> the day you went out with the with oh. Southside Chicago yeah, we had a bad car accident that <laughs> night. Oh, <laughs> that was my that was the you know like that was my the day that was my first time taking the Greyhound bus to Chicago, and I I have to say, to me that was you know that was really it was like this huge city to me then that I didn't really know anybody, and I mean I I I was going to be picked up at the at the bus station by you know, bands and stuff. I had to count on them being there, and I was really nervous about it. But we So this is a, the very beginning. This of, was the okay. first the first time that I went to play with Jimmy Dawkins and the Chicago Blues All-Stars. But what, what happened was that uh, we had we had the accident, so things weren't things weren't perfect at that time. And then... And um, were you okay? Like, physically yeah, okay? Yeah, I think... Actually, we kind of were. We had the accident at 4 in the morning. <laughs> and he got on the Greyhound at 7 in the morning. And his hands went through the windshield. I pushed the windshield out yeah, with my hands. Pushed the windshield there, yeah. So, but so that you that was, okay. was Good luck. I you know, these are things I completely forgot about for good reasons. <laughs> but that was my introduction. So that I think that in that night, I uh, Jimmy Jimmy uh, picked us up, at, or picked me up. I was by myself, and... Uh, we um, got in his Cadillac, and he took me around to all the blues clubs. He said, this over here used to be the Squeeze Club. Me and Freddie King brought in B.B. King one night. We pooled our money together, and they got him to come in and play. Um, he, uh, he introduced me to a guy named Big Bill Hill, who was a, a blues DJ, uh, one of the big blues DJs. Um, just so much, but we started working with Jimmy, and... Um, Jimmy's booking agency was Harry Chickles in Chicopee, Massachusetts. And he, um, he uh, put together um, all his artists, which was Junior Wells, Eddie Shaw, and um, the Wolfgang, and um, Jimmy Donkins. Okay, so it was the Chicago, all of this together. He put a package together called the Southside Blues All-Stars, which was Junior Wells, Eddie Shaw, Hubert Sumlin, and Jimmy Donkins' band. Wow, and we backed them up. So that, I think that was my um, 
time where, you know, I was on stage with like two, at least two and a half solid hours of different type of blues, you know, so my introduction and my test and everything, and uh, that went real good. I uh, And these are basically the legends of the blues. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I mean, playing with Junior Wells and... Junior was Junior was the kind of guy, you know, it was me and Hubert on guitar, and after the set, Junior would come up and, you know, he would say to me, hey, man, I'm so sorry I didn't give you a solo on that third song. <laughs> this is Junior Wells telling me, you know, like... And you're playing was, with Hubert. It's so, yeah, you know, the other guitar player is Hubert, you know, and, you know, um, these guys are so, like, just regular, mm-hmm. you know, just like, only they're perfect, they're perfect musicians, you know, like... You know, they don't, they're not, they were very professional. That's the word I'm looking for. They were professional. The, a lot of the um, rock bands and, you know, things like that, I didn't, I didn't want to be in them because I was trying to be, um, you know, on time and, you know, get the music right and everything. And I didn't see that kind of dedication in my experience in the, in the, in the pop, in the rock world, my little experience that I had. But in blues, they were professional, and they they really um, went out there and they did it, and they were so into it. I mean, that was their whole life. Speaking of accidents, you got into a bicycle accident. Yeah. Tell me about that. That's hard to say. I I don't even remember a whole lot about it. You fell. Yeah, I was just riding a bike, and um, I was a in a very point where I was doing a lot of exercising and stuff like that and I was on a on a bike going um, like there was a bunch of stones and I just fell off it and uh, when I fell off of it I fell all my weight was on the left side so I I broke my collarbone and the ribs and this back here I was supposed to be in um, in Norway Notodden to do the fest with Kim Wilson and the, what I remember about the whole thing was that I was in the emergency room, and uh, that was the thing. I was like, I can't do that with Kim, you know. I don't want to let Kim down, you know. That was the thing that was going through my mind. But this year, um, I'm going to be doing the No Totten with Kim, so I, I came full circle already. <laughs> Survived it, and I think if that would have been a, a little, a couple inches off, I would have never made it to the impact that, wow. of what happened. Yeah. And. Your first gig back since that, what? Your first gig after the accident was Lucerne. Oh, yeah, Lucerne. Yeah, that's right. So you've done a lot of traveling to Europe. Tell me about that and the blues and how how you see the Europeans accepting the blues Mm -hmm. from your point of view. Mm -hmm. Well, the way I I see it is I, I think everything's the same, really. You know, that people here really like it, but... It's a different, um, it's a different way of life, you know. Um, and um, there's just so much going on here, you know, um, that uh, the uh, the European um, lifestyle maybe they appreciate um, things that they don't have, you know. Imported, they they didn't necessarily have the blues there, so um, I think they. Um, they can market it, you know, and 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 um, put it together because um, it's a commodity, really, you know, and um, 
But it's in terms of like the audience and the people, I think it's pretty much the same. To me, that's my observation that um, there's a lot of people that love it here, but to get to them, to let them know about it is, is a challenge. Right. You know, and, uh, but I see a lot of very successful things in blues. A lot of the festivals I play, there's, in a lot of the clubs I play, I, I guess I'm very fortunate and blessed that um, I see a lot of successful things. I see the younger people enjoying blues, a lot of the myths that I've heard, I don't really see them that way about, you know, especially about younger people that they, uh, they don't like blues because there's something about it. It's just, it's just music is music. You chose, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe you've chosen the path of the traditional blues and keeping true to the old traditional guys and not really going to the louder rock blues. That's, am I correct to assume that that's the musical path that you chose? Um, well, I'm involved with a lot of the, of the classic blues, right. you know, type things like that. And I've played them, you know, especially with the um, harmonica players that I've played with. But then there's the other side of the, um, you know, like, of, like my, my whole musical spectrum is really large because, I mean, just in blues, but nothing... You know, I just in terms of the blues, it's a big spectrum because I've played with, um, you know, the, all the, a lot of the harmonica players, Snooky Pryor, um, James Cotton, uh, you know, the classic, you know, so I, I understand that. And, you know, a lot of the younger guys, you know, that, that came along. The, and the, but then there was the guitar players that I played with, too, um, like Otis Rush. He never had a harp in his band. So that's a different type of music. Right, okay. Um, and um, but so really, the, but sticking to the classics and in the classical style. Yeah, but then it, you know, I also have a different side too. That like you know, I think it it could be blues rock, but it's just cemented into a, maybe a different type of feel. It's not the uh, over the top right. type of playing all the time. But I definitely, you know, like with Jimmy Dawkins, he always would be like. You know, he loves Easy Top. Really? Yeah. And he, he also, he loved Rod Stewart. So he always taught me, be open mm-hmm. about things. And that, that really helped me a lot because, um, I mean, I was so into Jimmy Rogers and, you know, Muddy Waters, then, you know, that. Um, but Jimmy always would, he always kind of expanded that, I think. And it was like, sure, you're playing blues, but listen to this other stuff. It'll open your mind to... Uh, Things so yeah, there's it's, I don't know I I, I want to be progressive I guess I think I, and then I have you know the other side of the thing that's not necessarily blues is um, my love of instrumental right. guitar music and in surf music and things like that, and that's kind of the same thing as blues because it, that's um, that goes way back to the early '60s so it's kind of like they call it traditional too but I guess. You know, like, when you start playing, you know, the era that you start playing at, it kind of marks your playing in a way. I mean, not in a bad way, but it, it's, you know, like the era of, uh, of uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, for instance. There's a lot of people that started playing that, that they might not necessarily know they're playing like that, but just the way they do it, it was that era of different things. And to me, I always think of, like, the early 70s when I 
first started playing, I was listening to a lot of uh, Jimmy Dawkins, you know, and B.B. King and Fenton Robinson, Mighty Joe Young, and that kind of thing. So that was a different, and that was real progressive at the time. Even minor blues, you know, songs that were in a minor key were, were not that common. So I, I think the progressive, I want to be progressive too. So when you mentioned Stevie Ray Bond. Can I ask you what impact he would have had on, on your playing or your view of the blues? Pretty much non-existent because of um, at that point when when he was popular, uh, the actually the, the one impact that he didn't that he did have on me is I used to really like Albert King. <laughs> I used to really try to I mean not intentionally but a lot of that type of uh, squeezing, you know, would come out when I was playing. But when I heard him, I I heard he was going in that direction. I didn't. I chose not to go in that in that way. I think that was one of the ways, but I'd already been already playing, you know, for years, so the sound and the that really had no impact on me. Can you tell me some of the projects you're involved in today or these days? Uh, well, I'm uh, a big part of my time is uh I'm Kim Wilson's guitar player. I do a lot of, uh, this summer I have quite a few uh, um, traveling to um, Norway. We just got back from Holland. I'm going to uh, Doheny to play the Doheny Fest next week. Uh, I do that and um, I have my own, I actually have uh, quite a few bands. I have a, a band at, um, at, at a place called Smoke Daddy in Chicago. I do uh, every second Friday. Uh, I. I have another band that's in uh, at, at at the Blues on Halstead the last Sunday of the month, and uh, that's with E.G. McDaniel's, a great bass player and uh, a, a drummer. They're both on my latest CD, which is called uh, <laughs> Lonesome High. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> oh, on Delmark, on Delmark Records, and uh, E.G. McDaniel's and Blaze on drums, Andrew Blaze, Blaze Thomas, and uh, Rick Crayer on guitar. So like um, that's that's more of the West Side blues. We get to play guitars. It's all guitar blues, and I've had great great uh, response from that. That I really love that. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, places to play. That I you know I get to uh, get to do that kind of music. You know, just as a change of pace. And you've always been involved in a lot of projects. Like it, it seems like you seem to enjoy working with a lot of different people and different projects. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, well the Smoke Daddy um, this, uh, just opened another club in Chicago, which is um, on Clark and Addison, so it's right across the street from uh, Wrigley Field. Oh. And um, they just recently um, um, have reissued my uh, Smoke Daddy band CD that I recorded back in 2000. So how do you view the Chicago blues scene as somebody who's been there for many many years and I know people talk about the different parts of the town or whatever but from your point of view tell me how you view what the Chicago blues scene is today well blues I think blues in Chicago is just part of the fabric um, I've had the, the pleasure of working everywhere from the north to the south to all over the the city, um, you know, doing different things, um, especially uh, involved in the neighborhoods with the uh, 
uh, farmers markets. I did I did things like that. Uh, I did blues in the schools. Uh, played with bands um, in Beverly on the far south side. Um, did the north side. Do you treat them differently when you talk, you know, geographically? And, and often people do when they say, well, I play the south side, I play the north side. What's the difference? I'm just going to say the location, you know, um, you know, in terms like the musical mm-hmm. impact. Um, right now, there's really, it's, it's not the same as it used to be. You know, the, the west side was more of a guitar and the south side was saxes and, you know, additional musicians than the west side. West side was just usually like three or four piece bands where the south side was different. That's the musical difference, but um, people just really love blues there. I mean, if you're if you're honestly doing it, they they will um, they really like it in a real way. And then when you when we go back to that little kid, fourteen, sitting outside that club, thinking about maybe I want to play the blues, to who you are today. That journey is it? Is it what you thought it could be, I mean, or what it what it has been? <laughs> Much more. Well, Much tell me. More. Um, well, I guess you've worked with so many amazing people. I never, I never would dream that I would ever win a Grammy. You know that I would be a Grammy, uh, Grammy winning musician. Um, and I think the fact alone that I uh, recorded with Beyonce and uh, and uh, Snooky Pryor and John Primer and uh, uh, you know just a lot of the great blues artists that I've uh, that I've done. I mean, the contrast between that is something I never thought would happen. Um, I never thought I'd ever go to Europe. I didn't even I wasn't really aware of the world. Um, I learned through music about the world. Um, I never thought that it could happen like that. I just got on and I, I took a ride is what happened, you know, and I, uh, the dedication and um, the seriousness of it and um, how much I, you know, I have to say how much I respect the profession also of the, of the musicians and how grateful I am to meet you know, at uh, 15 years old, walking up to Howlin' Wolf and talking to Howlin' Wolf and, you know, the things that we talked about, I still remember what he told me, you know, just, um, it's, a, it's a great journey and it's not over yet. That's the, that's the part that I love. I've, you know, I think right now is a part that I can really enjoy. I'm, you know, with the closer to Chicago now and um, I spend more time with my family, you know. Is can you share with me an advice that somebody gave you in the past that still holds true with you today? Be yourself, you know. Um, even though you could probably pinpoint a lot of the influences of um, of a lot of the blues artists, like you know, you could say, well, they got this from that. But the way you put it together and the way you present it, you know, it's you. You know, just because you you aren't somebody else you're yourself and I remember people telling me that that I I thought that was good advice um my final question and and when I when I think of you and when I hear people talking about you you're very well respected as a guitar player how do you make yourself better as a guitar player did I stump you (laughs) no (laughs) what do you think 
I just think that, you know, music, music is just part of you. You know, you have to play. Yeah. And you have to listen. And you can't help it. It's kind of an affliction. Yeah, yeah, that, that she's right. She's right. My, my family can tell you that. When I was, um, even before I played, you know, I, I had a certain way that I can find sounds on, a, you know, on anything. I can make a, a snare and a bass drum, you know, find different parts of the car, you know, to hit on. But it, it's always been in me, something like the beat and the rhythm. And uh, as far as like being a, a, a different, you know, like learning more about, the, about your instrument is like, there's a lot of times I stayed for a week in Pennsylvania in a place without any electricity. And all I had was my guitar. That was my music. That's what I did, you know. And I'd work the gigs and I'd come back and stay in this house. It was no electricity in the house. And, you know, you'd have to come and turn the water on once a day, you know, to use the bathroom to take a shower, you know. No, this, this was fairly recently. Too. This wasn't, wasn't <laughs> but that's all I had. And, you know, another thing, too, is that I... Um, I read a story years ago about a guy that had an injury. He was, a, I think he was a policeman. He was actually a blues guy too, unknown. And um, he uh, had, he was a, some had some accident with a gun or got shot in his hand. So he couldn't play the guitar right-handed. So he flipped it over and did that. And I'm like, that was that like a long time ago. I read that I went, I can do that. Cause I used to watch Albert King. I watch Otis Rush. So when I was on the road, I'd get back to the room. I didn't turn the TV on. I took my guitar out. I flipped it over, and I started, like, thinking, oh, I can do this over here. How do I, you know, and I kept changing it, you know, and I, like, learned more about the guitar from doing that. And, um, you know, like, seeing about, about being progressive, too, is that I have a, a, what's called a guitar synthesizer, which can make the sounds of an organ. I can do uh, flutes and... Um, a trumpet, and um, I, I have to say, I'm very, very happy that I can, you know, like emulate these other instruments to do that. It added my knowledge, so when I'm playing regular guitar, I can think more. I can go, oh, that's how they do that. Hmm. You know, that's how this cluster notes on the piano or the trumpet. So that's helped me too. Wow, um, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Time with you. Because we've, we've crossed paths many times, but yes. I've never had a chance to really yes. sit and talk to you. So yes. thank you for doing this. It's a, a pleasure to see you again. And uh, always that, that Billy Boy Arnold was a great time, yeah, great time for us special. all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.